Is it on? Yes, it's on. Good. It was interesting that uh, we've read from Job this morning because it's true. God is in control of everything. He's the one that knows what's right, what's wrong, when to do it, when not to do it. So it's pretty amazing. I am privileged to come back. Did I say something already? Okay. Okay. You know, it is. It's a privilege to come back. I've been here before, and God has graciously, uh, through the leadership, given me another opportunity to come. I have just gone through a hernia operation on Friday, and I can explain the whole operation like this. Ow! It hurts. It's very, very sore down there. But... God was gracious and had me go through it pretty easily. So, again, my name is Paul Jackamack, and I've been here at least a couple of times. And so hopefully, if I don't do too badly, they'll invite me back again, which will be kind of nice. Let's open in prayer. Heavenly Father, as always, Lord, we just rest upon you. You are God. You are King of kings and Lord of lords. And Lord, uh, as I come, I ask that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit, that Whatever is said can be uh, just drawn into by your people, and they could be edified and built up by it, Lord. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your continued, continued mercy upon us, Lord. And it is true, Lord. You are in control of all things. And in the passage that I've chosen for this morning, Lord, just make that very evident to the people. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. We are going to be in 2 Corinthians this morning, so if there's, you have your Bibles, you could turn there. I am using the New King James Bible. It's just maybe a little different. Paul will speak of his ministry and that Christians will suffer, will suffer, and how there are benefits, actual benefits in their suffering. The truth is we confront many, many issues, sufferings today, and need the comfort of God. We need the comfort of God. We need to look up when we are down. Just some things like this. In the world, we have this pandemic. Uh, What is it? Going on four years now, and there's still variations out there. It's just really a miserable thing that can really get you down as a Christian, but we have to remember God's in control. And this pandemic seems to go on and on and on and on. It has no end to it. We have riots and and, and disorder and rebellion, racial problems out there. All of this preys upon us. There's political corruption and scandals and news. It's hard to watch. Karen and I have minimized how much news we watch now. It's rather depressing. And not only news can be uh, depressing, but we're not sure we're getting the right information most of the time. In our personal lives, we have family issues. We have issues of family that are not saved or family that are moving in the wrong direction. We have many in our churches that are sick and downhearted, and all of that, again, presses upon us and brings us down. We have those who have lost loved ones, 
and that is always a tragedy. Although if they are Christians, we know where they are going, it's still a loss for us. And we have those who are poor and need food and shelter. So there are many issues out there, but as always, praise our God because of his word, because of his mercy, because of his comfort, and because of his love. In 2 Corinthians, Paul opens his heart to, con- to comfort because news has come that the Corinthian church was now striving to straighten out and obey the things Paul stated in his first letter. If you remember his first letter, they had some issues with sin, pretty ugly sin, and they also had a tremendous issue of just blaming him for not being as dedicated to them as he thought or they thought he should be. And he's writing now to encourage them through suffering as Christians. He will use himself as an example. So we will be exploring verses 7 through 18 in 2 Corinthians 4. And it deals with suffering and the divine comfort. So please turn there, 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 18. And if you don't mind, I like to do this. If you would stand with me as I read this passage, just to honor the word of God. And so we're in verse 7 of chapter 4, 2 Corinthians. It says this, but we have this treasure in earthly vessels, that the excellence of the power might be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus may all may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but life in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. And we also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sake, that grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet The inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Amen. You may be seated. It's true, our personal problems in life are very real. They're very real and can many times cause us to take our focus off of Christ, off of the Word, off of God, and place it on ourselves. But Romans 11, 36 says this, For of him, for through him, and to him are all things. 
to whom be the glory forever. Amen. So it's really about God and what is happening through Jesus Christ, especially in our lives. We have to remember that. Too often we focus on us and not focus on God. And really this whole program is God's program, not Paul Jackamack's program. So now what I'm going to do is I'm going to take each verse and kind of break it up, or a couple of verses and break it up, so we can look at it and study it. The first thing is, but we have this treasure in earthly vessels, verse 7, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Treasure, that's an interesting word. Upon the lips of the Hebrew, this signifies storage or place of storing up of anything that constitutes wealth, or something of great, great value. The treasure is the greatness of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the glory of God made evident through the gospel, his word. That's our treasure. And he goes on and he says, consider, or Paul considers us earthly vessels, something to be filled God chose to put his light and his glory in everyday dishes, not the fine china. You can probably relate to that. If we look at the 12 apostles, we can easily realize these were people, weren't people of high education. They came from Galilee. They were ridiculed sometimes, but they were average people. And average people is what God uses many, many, many times. Ephesians 2.10a says this, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. He's the one working in you and I, and that's what's most important. It's reemphasized the idea that not many who are nobles, not many who are wise are the ones chosen in 1 Corinthians 1.26, and it says, for you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Jesus came down as a servant and he dealt with the lowly. He didn't deal so much with the nobility of his day. Why does God put such a great treasury in such weak earthly vessels? It's a good question. So that it may be evident to anyone who has eyes to see that the work is being done by the power of God, not by the power of the vessel. And that's important for us to remember. We want God to be working. If it's going to have any value, if this morning is going to have any value, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm just sort of a mediator. I'm going to give it to you. The power that comes from is the Holy Spirit in your lives. So, we must tap into this power, though. That's, and that's the way we overcome. Verse 8 and 9 says this, We are hard-pressed. We're hard-pressed on every side and yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. And obviously, Paul is speaking about what's going on in his life. But he's also Letting us understand, and much of this will be in our lives too. We are hard not we are hard pressed, 
The idea is hunted. Paul was a wanted, hunted man. And because of what he was in Jesus Christ. And in many ways we are too. We're living in a world that more and more is pressing upon the Christian to not really relate everything to the word of God because they can use that as hate kind of conversation. It's not. It's the truth. It's love. But that's what they use it for. So it's when we say hard-pressed, we're talking about being hunted as people, but not crushed. God makes sure that we are not crushed in the process of it all. The world will never be our friend. It will never be our friend. But let me take the three or four uh, statements of being pressed upon and then take the four statements of what God does through the process. It says hard-pressed, perplexed, persecuted, struck down. Paul's life was hard, and it was hard because of his passionate, his passionate devotion of Jesus Christ in his life in the gospel. And that's so important for us to realize the more, and it was said this morning, the more we press towards God, usually it gets tougher, not easier for us. Yet look at the triumph of Jesus in Paul's life. He's not crushed. He's not in despair. He's not forsaken and not destroyed. We must stand strong. Our devotion to Christ in everything that we do. We should remember that everything Paul said about suffering, he said as a man who probably suffered more than you or I or anybody that we know has ever suffered for the gospel of Jesus Christ. This whole thing was not a theory to Paul. It was a real-life experience. The Christian plight is twofold. First, it's the side that causes us trouble. Mark 13, 13 says this, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. And that the triumphant side is on Romans eight thirty seven. Yet in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. Isn't that wonderful how the gospel always just magnifies the idea of the process that we go through and how much Jesus really triumphs through it all when we are those who carry his word. We are those who are persecuted for him. Verse 10 says this, always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. Paul, like any Christian, wanted the life of Jesus evident in him. Hopefully, that's exactly what you want in your life, that I want in my life, it to be evident. Paul is saying that the death of Jesus was not only a historical fact, but also a spiritual reality in his life. In Philippians 3.10, Paul speaks about the glory of knowing Jesus, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Many long to know the power of his resurrection, 
but want nothing to do with the fellowship of his suffering or being conformed to his death. It is no longer I that live, but Christ that lives within me. And we have to remember that. As I dedicate myself, as I continue to push on to be deeper in the word of God, it is no longer I that live, but Christ that lives within me. Verse 11 says this, For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. God made Paul's life more effective in ministry through his suffering. Through his suffering, his ministry was even more effective. Romans 8.36 says, As it is written, For your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep to the slaughter. But it's for your sake for your sake that Paul goes through this. Sometimes we think that everyone or someone is really spiritual or really used by God, they will be living in constant victory. That means life will always be easy. The truth is, as it was stated this morning, that we have troubles and we do have tribulations. So death is working us, but life in you. What is being said here is that the life of the apostles is a constant death. But on this daily dying, you reap. The Christian reaps the benefits. Our dying is your living. Our afflictions become to you a source of consolation and joy. The Corinthians Christians did not see that their lives of victory victory were only possible because God made Paul such an effective, an effective servant through his suffering. And since, in verse 13, we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believe and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. And this is a reference to Psalm uh, 116.10. I believe, therefore I spoke. I am greatly afflicted. Paul is saying he believed and we also believe because of him. Paul really believed God had a purpose in his death like sufferings. He lived, experienced the resurrection of life of Jesus. Therefore, he wasn't hesitant to speak out. Should we be hesitant to speak out? Of course not. Romans 5, 3 through 5 says this, We also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulations produce perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. We go through tribulation. We go through perseverance. We go through the building of our character and the hope of what is in the future. All of that is so important for us because we know God's love is in all of it. And verse 14 says, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us 
up with Jesus and will present us with you, all of us together. Paul knew this, therefore he didn't despair in his suffering. Every death-like trial was just the prelude to resurrection power, to the future that he understood so deeply. And the same goes for you and I. The point is, is that we will leave this planet. James says it this way, and I love this portion of Scripture. James 1, 2 through 4 says this, My brethren, count it all joy. Isn't that tough? Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. You see this along with the tribulation and perseverance in Romans 5, 3 through 5. Test your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, its complete work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. This is great profit. There is great profit in suffering and trials in our lives. We can comfort others. We understand that we're truly God's people. We go against the stream. We don't go the same way as the world. And just that alone is going to produce trials and tribulations in our lives. Plus just the fact of living itself. And all the trials of life as we get older and older and more things happen to our bodies. For all things are for your sake. This is Paul speaking in verse 15. That grace having spread through the many may cause thanksgiving to abound. Why? To the glory of God. To the glory of God. All things are for your sake. This was the immediate goal of Paul's ministry, his immediate goal. His heart was to serve the Corinthians Christians and the Christians or the Christians in other cities. Paul's ministry, ministry also had an ultimate goal that you may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Ultimately, Paul was motivated by the glory of God. And so should we with our lives be motivated by the glory of God. Sometimes we forget the immediate goal. That is serving each other. Not having a, a pie-in-the-sky spiritual attitude. Others forget the ultimate goal. And are man-focused, becoming either proud or discouraged. We need to keep both in mind just as Paul did, a heart for the brethren and the glory of God, not taking the glory for ourselves, but the glory of God. Verse 16 says this, therefore we do not lose heart. They do not lose heart. Paul never loses heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed when? Day by day by day. Therefore, always is a word that takes us back to what's been stated just before. All the things that are in verses 7 through 15. 2 Corinthians 1, 4 through 7 says this, We preach Christ who comforts us in all our tribulation 
that we may be able to comfort those who are in trouble. So we're available to those who could lose heart with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as the suffering in Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. Now, if we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effective for enduring the same suffering which we also suffer. For if we are comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation, and our hope for you is steadfast. This is Paul speaking, because we know that as you are partakers of the suffering, so also you will be partakers of the consolation. The things that we suffer build us up, give us that perseverance, give us that comfort, make us closer to understanding what it like what it like was for Paul and what it was like for Jesus Christ. Paul encourages the Christian church to realize that God is intimately, intimately involved in our journey of life. He never leaves us alone. Is it easy to lose heart? Yes. When we focus on our circumstances and our temporary or temporal world, letting it occupy the center of our thoughts, we will lose heart, the temporal. But we are encouraged not to lose heart. Why? Because we have Christ. We have his mercy. We have his love. We have his constant comfort, his promise, his constant intimate relationship with us. The outward man, our physical bodies, will not last no matter what advances in medicine. We think we're getting closer and closer in medicine to take care of it all. It won't be. God says basically it is appointed once for you to die, and that's the way it is. The outward man has the same idea as the earthly vessels in 2 Corinthians 4.7 and the mortal flesh in 2 Corinthians 4.11. The message is the same. On the outside, we are suffering and taking a beating, but on the inside, God is blessing and constantly renewing us. Yes, we are perishing, and it is appointed once for man to die. If we are born, we surely will die. It is easy to say that we are okay with perishing, yes. But in reality, we work very hard to preserve ourselves, don't we? Paul was hard-pressed on which way he should go, and so am I, and I'm so sure so are you. Here's what I think is the key to the second part of verse 16. The inward man is being renewed. When? How? Daily. Day by day. The Holy Spirit is constantly working with to grow our strength in Christ. To constantly be bringing us into a deeper, stronger relationship with Jesus Christ. Isaiah 40 29 through 31 says that he gives power to the weak, who are the weak, you and I, and to those who have no might, 
Who is that? You and I. He increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young man shall utterly fall. But those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. It's such a great, great promise for us as we get older. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. To be renewed, to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Romans 12.2 makes it very claim, uh, clear. Do not be conformed to this world. Don't think like this world, but be transferred or transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Can we assist in this process with God as we hear his voice? Yes, we can. We can be in the word. We can be in prayer. We can be in fellowship. We can get serious. We can get committed. All of this will help us through times of trial. Verse 17 says this, And our light affliction, which is but for the moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Isn't that an incredible promise? The light affliction, but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Light affliction, distress, pain, suffering. Our affliction is light compared to others' affliction. Do you ever look around at other people's affliction? Boy, it'll really make you aware of how we are not pressed upon as many are. It, it's what we deserve. Look at the affliction we deserve, what Jesus suffered for us. And it's, our affliction is light because it cannot compare to the blessings we enjoy now and will enjoy through the sustaining power of God's grace. All of this suffering, all of this difficulty, all this pressing on us is a short period of time. Life is short. Believe me, anyone who's gotten older can realize, wow, how has it gone this quickly? And it has. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed to us. Romans 8, 18. It can be hard to look at the situations and circumstances of our lives. It really is but for a moment. We are really but vapor. But it is very real. So look up, not or when we're down. We have a great future beyond our wildest dreams. There are rewards, inheritances, the present of Christ, eternal joy, love, relationship, reunion, more and more and more. The weight of our future glory is enormous. This is why we look up under trials. And finally, in verse 18, it says this, while we do not look at the things which are seen, 
but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And this really encompasses the idea of faith. The world only sees the outside, not the unseen eternal things of life, to their dismay and their trouble. When we look at things which are seen, all we see is the affliction. And then it doesn't seem very light, the affliction. But when we look at things which are not seen in the Word of God, what we understand from the Word, then we see and appreciate the eternal weight of glory that is waiting for you and I. There are habits that help us look up when we are down. The first one is we have the assurance of the Word. We have the assurance of the Word. Colossians 1.5 says, Of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. We've heard it. It's true. God's gone. Jesus has gone and prepared a place for us. We will have eternal joy an incredible inheritance with Jesus Christ. We have to keep our minds fixed on that. And we have the insurance of Christ himself. It says in John 1, in verse 1 and verse 14, in the beginning was the Word. Jesus is the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. We have these assurances, what the Word says to us and our relationship with Jesus Christ. So look up when we're down. Colossians 3, 1 1 and 2 says this, If then you were raised with Christ, if you're raised with Christ, then seek those things which are above, where Christ is is seating at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not things on this earth. I know that's difficult for us, but as we set our minds on the things above, on what is the truth of the word of God given to us, we certainly can go through the afflictions of life here and conquer it. In verse 18 Temporary refers to relating to the material world, limited by time, lasting only for a minute, not eternal, that which is passing away. Not only us, but this world is passing away. Eternal refers to continuing without interruption, perpetual, being without beginning or end. Paul was encouraging the Corinthian church to look up where Christ is seated, where our future is. Our time here is very short, shorter than we sometimes realize. We need to count the days. We need to grow strong in Christ. We need to encourage one another, be a student of the word, have a light hold on this world. So don't lose heart. We are renewed day by day. 
what we go through here will not compare to the glory to come. Don't look to the temporal. Look to the eternal. Look up when you're down. Psalm 115, 15 says, May you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. And let me add this. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that uh, in your word we find that comfort. In your word we see Jesus, and Jesus is our comforter. He's the one that builds us up. All we go through in this life cannot compare to what you have ready for us in the future. You are a loving, merciful God. Help each one of us not to concentrate on the things that go wrong here in this temporal place, but concentrate on the things that are above where you are seated. We thank you for this time, and we thank you for your word in Jesus Christ. Amen. You want me to read it from here or down there? Okay. Okay. Moving a little slow. This is wonderful. The first thing we have to think about, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three through 31 says, For I have received from the Lord, yeah, I have received from the Lord what I also deliver to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, The cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And then there's a warning for us in verse 27 and on. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerned in body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. But if we, if we judged ourselves truly, we will not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be conformed along or condemned along with the world. It's important for us to understand that we, first of all, need to be Christians who partake of this because we're the only ones that understand it. And secondly, we need to do it worthily. I think it's important for us to take a moment to pray. Why don't we pray and make sure we're okay with the Lord? 
Dear precious Father, we just lift our lives up to you, Lord. If there's any hidden sin or anything in our lives that isn't right, please, by all means, Lord, let us confess that. Because you're faithful. If we confess it, you will forgive us. And Lord, we want to take this wonderful, wonderful uh, supper together, Lord. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.